premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible, as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Well, hey there, folks. This is Joe Ruscello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it's always, always, always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. All right, folks, and we are broadcasting to you live tonight from the Asylum Studios here deep in the bowels of Southwest Texas in the beautiful city of Eagle Pass. And it is another beautiful, beautiful night here in Eagle Pass, Texas. And uh, we are excited to be with you once again as we uh, attempt to bring you another live episode. So, folks, uh we uh, about a month ago we started a whole new series on the history of the Bible, and uh, we spent a lot of time talking about um, about the inspiration and preservation of the Word of God. We spent a lot of time talking about the purity of the Word of God, and uh, we've also spent a lot of time talking about what the Bible says about itself. Then we examined where your authorized King James Bible comes from and uh, those particular lines of manuscripts uh, uh, from which it came. You know, 95% of the manuscripts from this lineage where your King James Bible comes from agrees with the King James Bible. 90% of the manuscripts agree with the King James Bible. And then last week, we examined the Alexandrian family of manuscripts and uh, this line of manuscripts that make up the... This is the um, this is the uh, the line of manuscripts that make up all of your new modern perversions, versions, and translations. And uh, only five percent, only five percent of the existing manuscripts in that line of manuscripts agrees. Now, uh, or, or I should say, they base their uh, their their Greek New Testament. They 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 base their Bible translations off of only 5% of the manuscripts. Now, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this study in the history of the Bible with a side-by-side comparison of your King James Bible and one of those new modern uh, versions and translations that are there. And uh, what we're going to demonstrate tonight is that not all Bibles say the same thing. Not all Bibles say the same thing. Now, before we get into our Bible study tonight, I'm going to ask you to do just a couple of quick things for me. First of all, if you would, would you please visit our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And when you get over there, head over to our contact section, and why don't you send us over a message? Let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And also, folks, don't forget to send over those prayer requests. Uh, those prayer requests that you send over are so very important to me. Uh, I really do look forward to getting them. I look forward to 
to uh, taking time uh, while I am studying and uh, while I'm uh, in, in prayer with the Lord, having my quiet time with the Lord, to pray over those things that you've shared with me. So thank you so very much for doing that, and please continue to do so. Then also, while you're on our website, if you would, would you look for that support button that we have in our navigation bar? And um, uh, if, uh, if it's possible for you to make a, a monthly contribution, we would appreciate that, or a one-time contribution, we would appreciate that as well. Uh, there are several options that are available to you, and uh, uh, what I'd like you to do, folks, is I'd like you to pray about it, and if the Lord leads you to do it, if these podcasts and these live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contributions will go a very, very long way. And uh, when I say it goes a long way, I'm, I'm not kidding around, folks. You know, your, your contributions help us to keep things going here. Your contributions help us to send out Bibles to folks that request the Bibles. Uh, your contributions uh, uh, go towards sending out materials and information out to folks that ask. Your contributions go out and help support active missionaries out in the field. So uh, if you would like to be a part of that, please uh, pray about it and see how the Lord leads you to do it. And uh, you can uh, check out our support page. And if you'd like to help us out uh, anyway, any one of those ways that are out there that we have, uh, please, please feel free to do so. All right. Uh, now, as always, I always like to stop here for just a, a quick minute and just say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for, you know, many, many, many things. Uh, but one of the things that I want to thank him the most for is for the gift of salvation. Now, uh, if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you've already heard my testimony many, many, many times. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, bore you with the details of that again. But uh, uh, 23 years ago, it'll be this July. It will be 23 years ago that the Lord Jesus Christ reached His nail scarred hands down over the banister of glory and saved me from an eternity in hell. You know, folks, a lot of a lot of people think that hell is going to be this place where, uh, uh, you know, they're going to hang out with their buddies and their friends, and they're going to have a grand old time. They're going to be, you know, playing cards, drinking, boozing it up, you know, you name it, they're doing it. Party central. Well, folks, that's not what hell is. Hell is the absolutely worst place you can possibly imagine. It's not a place that you want to be. And the only way that you're going to get out of going to hell is by putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no reason why you should be going to hell, especially that God has provided a way for you to not go. So, my friends, what are you holding on to in this world? What do you have that's so important that, that you cannot put off for the creator of the universe? For your creator. What is so what what is so enthralling about this world that you hold on to it so so fiercely? It just takes a moment. It just takes a moment to look at the Savior and just tell him that I believe that you died on a cross for me. I believe that your blood was the all-sufficient payment for my sin. And I ask you. Lord Jesus Christ, to please save me. And if you do that, and if you do that from a sincere heart, if that's, if that's truly what you want, God will save you. 
God will save you. The Bible says for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know something, folks, what makes it even more important is the fact that Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, hung on that cross, and he didn't just shed ordinary blood. He shed God's blood. God himself shed his blood, and you can find that over in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, if you don't want to take my word for it. How much love does God have for you as a sinner to allow himself to be nailed to a cruel cross and shed his blood to pay for your sin? And again, folks, all you have to do is ask. Just come to the Lord. Just ask him. Again, for whosoever you are and whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I also want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for giving me this opportunity, for giving me this ministry, for allowing me to, to, uh, 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 to come with you every week and to open up the Word of God and to, uh, and, and, and to uh, you know, talk about the Word of God, to, to explain the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, to preach the Word of God. This is a tremendous, tremendous gift of a ministry, and it's not something that I take very lightly at all. Uh, this is something that, that is so serious and so important especially to me, considering that my salvation came through a radio ministry. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a tremendous blessing. And, you know, what, what really does, uh, I, guess, I, I guess the best way to say it is, you know, what, what, how, the appreciation I have for this is because, you know, God has given me this platform. And he's given me this platform through this podcast. And, you know, this podcast, I've told you plenty of times already that, you know, this podcast is distributed all across this country. Uh, this podcast is distributed all across this plane on which we live. And uh, it's, it's an amazing and an incredible platform where we can reach people and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I also want to say thank you to all of you who uh, support us through your prayers. Thank you so very much for praying for us. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, just to know that you guys are out there praying for, for, for my family, for, 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 my, for this ministry. Uh, the most important thing is, is praying for this ministry and, uh, and, and praying for me. I, I, I am so thankful for it. I appreciate it uh, in, in more ways than you can possibly imagine. And, and God bless you, and thank you so much. Now, um, I also want to say thank you to all of you who support us financially. Thank you so much for your financial support, and God bless you for that. Uh, like I said, your contributions really do go a very long way. Uh, it's something that I am incredibly thankful for, and uh, I really, really hope that, uh, I, that more of you can help us out so we can further this work that we're doing. It's a, it's a, it's a real blessing to, to be a part of it, and thank you again so much for it. Um, and of course, uh, I always want to say thank you to every single one of you who listen in and, and listen in faithfully to everything that we've been putting out. Thank you so very much for that. God bless you for that. And please, please continue to listen. Please continue to share this. Uh, uh, don't forget, you, you know, with you sharing this with your friends, your family members, coworkers, uh, you are helping us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So wherever it is that you're listening, wherever it is, 
no matter what platform it's on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, uh, uh, Amazon Music, or if you're listening on any of the new podcasting 2.0 platforms, which I really hope you are, like uh, like like Fountain and, and Podhome and uh, so many more, uh, I no matter where you're doing it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, again, you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, folks, now with all of that said, how about we get to some announcements? All right, folks. Well, let's see. Uh, we have just a few announcements for you tonight, uh, the usual stuff. Uh, so this is our Thursday night Bible study, and uh, we start off every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we are uh, tonight going to be concluding our study of the history of the Bible, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting into this episode tonight. I'm really hoping that this study will be a real blessing to you, and that you're going to come away understanding that you know not all Bibles say the same thing, and uh, it, it's so very, very important to have the right Bible. And uh, so later on, we're going to be comparing verses between one of the more popular modern versions and your good old 1611 authorized version, the King James Bible. So uh, looking forward to doing that tonight. Now, next Thursday night, we'll be moving on to something else, and uh, you'll find out what that is later in the week. All right. Uh, we're also going to be resuming our Sermon Sunday broadcast. Uh, it will not be this coming Sunday. It'll be the following Sunday. Uh, I don't have the date off the top of my head, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, we will be getting back to our Sermon Sunday broadcast every Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And normally, if you're a new listener, normally our Sermon Sundays are topical messages. We rarely do a series during our Sermon Sundays. Uh, but we can if we'd like, and we, we have, uh, but uh, but in two weeks, the Sermon Sunday broadcast will be returning. Now, where can you listen to this? Well, we are, of course, broadcasting live once again, and we are excited to be doing that. And um, so uh, you can listen to us live now on our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com slash listen, or you can listen on our homepage as well. Now, uh, right after the live broadcast comes to a conclusion, we do our little post-production work, and then we get that uh, distributed out uh, to all of your favorite podcasting platforms. So it'll be available to you probably within an hour after the uh, after the conclusion of the live broadcast. So hopefully uh, if, uh, if you're not listening live, you'll be listening later on because this is a really, really important lesson that we're going to be doing tonight. All right. And uh, don't forget also check out those podcasting 2.0 platforms. They are amazing. And uh, I think you're really going to like them. And that's the direction that we're going to be moving in very, very sh uh, sh shortly. We'll be uh, we'll be leaving uh, Spotify and the other platforms like that and focusing more on the podcast 2.0 platforms. All right. Now, folks, if you are in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study 
meets at 7 p.m. Now, for more information, all you need to do is visit the church's Facebook page. And to do that, just log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And once you get there, you're going to find a lot of really helpful information, as well as episodes of the podcast. Now, of course, I always want to say thank you here to the folks at First Baptist Church and to our pastor, John Monk, for allowing us the opportunity to use the church's Facebook page to uh, to distribute the podcast. It's a real blessing for me, uh, considering that, you know, I don't have a Facebook page, um, don't really want a Facebook page, and, and most certainly don't need a Facebook page. So uh, we are really thankful to the folks at First Baptist for allowing us the, uh, the privilege of using the uh, church's Facebook page. Now, uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we got here? All right. Uh, now, if you're interested in prepping, uh, if you're interested in prepping, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the Contra Radio Network. Now, the Contra Radio Network is a single podcast that houses nearly a dozen talented podcast and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content daily. The Contra Radio Network releases 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on current events. And folks, there are no issues that are off limits. Uh, if you want a breakdown of current events, got it. Want to know more about preparedness and self-sufficiency? Got it. Uh, want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? Nope, not me, but we have that too. Uh, if you want to hear about politics, Bible study, sports, camping, firearms, and more? The Contra Radio Network has it all covered. You can find the Contra Radio Network on all of your favorite podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can head over to their website at uh, crn.best. That's crn.best. All right. We also have uh, my good friend and my brother in Christ, Chase Tobin. Brother Chase puts out a fantastic, fantastic podcast called the Three Pillars Podcast. And what the Three Pillars Podcast focuses on is your personal growth, utilizing the three pillars of fitness, spiritual, mental, and physical. Uh, Chase puts out a new episode every week. Usually, uh, usually it's on a Friday, but it's been on Saturdays uh, more recently. Uh, but you, if you want to see the video version of the podcast, you can head over to YouTube and look for the number three pillars podcast or on rumble, which is my personal favorite, uh, on rumble at the three pillars podcast. And also you can check him out on his website at three pillars, podcast.wordpress.com. And of course you can find him on all of your uh, favorite podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple podcasts, good pods, and more. So don't forget to check him out. The three pillars podcast. All right, uh, if you would, uh, also head over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and you could sign up for our programming announcements subscription. Um, all that is is an email that we send out when there's any change to our programming schedule. So we're not going to spam you. We're not going to send you a lot of stuff that you're not interested in or looking for, and we are certainly not going to sell or share any of your contact information. Everything stays here with us. The best part about it, it is absolutely 100% free. And that means it don't cost you nothing. So uh, you can uh, just head over to our website, sign up for the programming announcements, and uh, we will get you added onto that list. Now, also, while you're on our website, if you would, don't forget to check out our Sword Swag section. Uh, now, if you're interested in getting one of our Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs like I have right here in my hand, great, great coffee cups. Mm. Totally, totally needed that for the moment. Uh, you could get yourself one of these Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs. And uh, if you like, you can also get yourself one of our Sword of the Spirit podcast t-shirts. Now, we have limited supplies left. Uh, 
Uh, once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, we will be re-do, re, you know, redesigning our, our coffee mugs, T-shirts, and, and, and such, and uh, also making them available to you in, in a different way than, uh, than they are currently. So uh, don't forget to head over to the website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Look for that, uh, look for that sword swag page and get yourself uh, a coffee mug, T-shirt, or both. Hey, they're great. I like them. They're comfortable, and they really keep your coffee hot. All right. Let's see. I slurped there. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, just want to tell you about the War Tribe Armory. I have here in my uh, my hot little hand the War Tribe Armory uh, uh, information here. Now, the War Tribe Armory is located right here in Eagle Pass, Texas on US 57. So it's 3037 US 57. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at wartribe.armory. On Facebook at War Tribe Armory. Uh, you can also email them at wartribearmory1133 at gmail.com. Now, if you are interested in, uh, if, uh, in getting your weapon uh, with Cerakote engraved, uh, uh, if you need your weapon cleaned, uh, any kind of restoration, refinishing, repairs, or if you are uh, looking for FFL transfers, uh, this is the place to go. They're also involved with custom builds, gun sales, magazines, holsters, and trade-ins. Uh, so check them out on their social media sites. Like I said, wartribe.armory on Instagram, wartribearmory on Facebook. Uh, shoot them an email, wartribearmory1133 at gmail.com. Uh, and they are a bunch of great guys, and they'll help you out. They do really great work, and we're thankful for them and uh, for their partnership here with us. All right. And the best part of it is it is veteran-owned and veteran-operated. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, just also want to remind you about uh, our friend uh, Scipio Eruditus, who is uh, coming out with his first book, uh, The Revolution, The Anatomy of a Revolution. You could uh, pre-order your copy of that book. It'll be out in about 20-something days. Uh, you can pre-order your copy at revolutiononatomy.crd.co, or you can go to thefirmamentalpodcast.com, and uh, you can order it through that website as well. All right. Let's see. We did that. We did that. All right. Now, social media stuff. Okay. So uh, we are on Twitter or X or however you'd like to call it. And uh, at the SOTS podcast, we're also on TikTok at the same thing at the SOST, the SOTS podcast, Getter Truth Social at SOTS podcast. And also we have our Rumble channel. Um, again, we're not a video cast. We are a podcast. So uh, it's only the audio of the show. So you can find us on Rumble at SOTS podcast. And also you can find us on Locals at the SOTS podcast. All right. Now, you don't need a subscription for Locals. You don't need a subscription for Rumble or, uh, uh, or, or any of those particular sites to hear the show. We offer it to you free of charge. And, uh, but we do ask that if you are receiving any kind of a blessing from this or any kind of value from it, uh, why don't you make a contribution? Uh, you can do it in your time, talent, or treasure. Uh, time being that maybe you have some time to work on some things for us, your talent. You could maybe design some artwork for us, music, or uh, treasure. You could uh, make a monetary contribution, and uh, for all of which, we would be extremely, extremely thankful. Uh, 
All right. With all of that said, my friends, we are going to take our first break of the uh, of the evening. And uh, when we come back from that, we'll get into our Bible study. So, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends, your family, and your followers. And also, you know, don't forget, don't forget, go grab that King James Bible, get yourself some coffee, and when we come back, we'll get into our Bible study.
There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood, and God said, Since then I walk in forgiveness, and all of my guilt was erased. The chains of the past are broken at last. I got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? I've received nothing but goodness. I've tested and tasted your grace. I was so lost till I fell at the cross and got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? The love of God gave me his pardon. The love of God won't let me stay the same. The love of God holds me up higher. His will is stronger. That's why I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? I got Jesus. How could I want more? This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, 
and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello. And, um, you know, why don't we pray and uh, let's launch this ship the best we can? All right. Our Heavenly Father, would you add, I pray, your discernment, your revelations, and your blessings on that which we will approach tonight? What we, what we desire to do is exalt your word, for thou hast magnified thy word above all your name. And that's what your book says. We believe it, and we would like to see some examples of that very thing that you can help us with. Lord, thank you for a book that we can trust and we can honor. In the, in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, we've been studying uh, the history of the Bible, and um, uh, a brief review, and then we'll do some comparisons here. Um, all right, so you have two basic lineages or roots or lines of the Bible. Now, if you remember, we talked about these uh, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, that's all there are. There are there are just two, and that's it. There's no more than that. Um, the um, the results of the first line that we looked at was the authorized 1611 King James Bible. Well, where did it come from? Uh, well, the the Hebrew, uh, the old Masoretic text, we talked about that. Um, we talked about how that was pretty well preserved. And then the original manuscripts in the Greek uh, of the New Testament. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll hear preachers will tell you, and they'll stand up at that pulpit and they'll say, you know, in the originals, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. There is no such thing as the originals. You couldn't find the originals for $10 billion because they don't exist. The originals, as they were, were worn out. They're gone. They were, they were so used up that they've completely been worn out. So what resulted from that were copies of the originals that we call the, the Greek Vulgate. Now, Vulgate means very simply common or regular. Okay, um, and so uh, these are copies of the originals. All right, the oldest fragment that's ever been discovered of the scripture, and, and it's just a fragment. It's, it's not even a full. It's not even a full uh, page. Uh, it, this fragment that they found, they dated at 125 A.D. So that's not an original. Okay, that's the oldest thing they've they've uh, they've discovered. Uh, that's that that's that would be considered a genuine fragment of scripture. Well, all of that resulted in what's known now as the received text, or if you or if you go to the Latin, uh, it, it's called the Textus Receptus. Okay, uh, these are copies of the Greek Vulgate, and and these things were copied and copied and copied from 425 to 1453 A.D. Now Erasmus. Uh, was a great Greek scholar, and he printed the first Greek New Testament in 1516 A.D. Then you had Stephen's Greek New Testament that followed in 1550, which was really just a fine-tuning of Erasmus's work. All right, the millenary petition. The millenary petition was signed by over a thousand ministers in, in England. Uh, 
All right, uh, and they petitioned King James for an authorized Bible. Now, if you remember, all Bibles in those days had to be authorized by the king or they were considered to be illegal. All right, now what preceded these? Well, we have six Bibles that preceded these. All right, we have Tyndall's Bible in 1525, Coverdale's in 1535, Matthew's in 1537, the Great Bible in 1539 the Geneva Bible in 1560, and the Bishop's Bible in 1568. Now, uh, why didn't any of these stick? You know, instead of packing around a King James Bible today, why aren't we packing around a Matthew's Bible or, or any of the rest of them? Well, here's why. Uh, because none of the translators of those Bibles professed that it was a finished work. Every one of them said, you know, we're working on them. We're working on them. We're doing the best that we can. Uh, but none None of them professed that it was a finished work. All right, the uh, the seventh one is the authorized King James Bible in English. Now, interestingly, this thing's been around for over 400 years, and it's still a bestseller, still a bestseller 400 years later. All right, let me ask you this. Do you think, uh, you, you think the book will be around 400 years from now? Yeah. What about the good news for modern man? Do you think that'll be around 400 years from now? Or how about the Amplified Bible? Do you think that's going to be around for 400 years? Well, how about the RSV? Do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, it, the RSV is almost non-existent already, and it came out in 1952. Uh, what about the New Living Translation, you know, the New Hottest Deal, uh, or, or the Jerusalem Bible, right? You know, just time proves some things. All right. Now, anyway, we studied we studied this to some degree. Uh, the line that the Syriatic Peshetta Bible came from, uh, the old Latin Vulgate, and Wycliffe's Bible, and uh, and Luther's German Bible, all came out of that lineage. Now, the last English Bible that is published and printed came from this lineage uh, is the King James Bible. That's the last one. We have not had one new Bible printed from that lineage uh, uh, since the King James Bible, and, um, and, and again, uh, all of those Bibles that came out of this, this line of manuscripts. And no, not even the new King James, all right? Not even the new King James. People think that, but it's not. The, the new King James is not a King James Bible, all right? Someone is really trying to fool you with the verbiage on the new King James, all right? Now, the other lineage of Bibles. Uh, didn't Paul warn us, by the way, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, that um, you know, to be concerned about uh, those that would corrupt the Word of God? So there were corruptors way back when Paul was still writing his epistles, and he warned us about those corruptors. All right, now, uh, here are some of the developments of those corruptions. These are developments of those corruptions, all right? Uh, Justin Martyr, remember him? Justin Martyr was a great corruptor. And uh, he came up with, uh, in his translation work, uh, was a mix of pagan philosophy and the New Testament. So, uh, you know, he, try, he tried to integrate the two of them together. Uh, so all of this developed into what we call now the Alexandrian school from 200 to 254. Uh, and that was based in Alexandria, Egypt. You know, folks, you need to be aware of anything that comes out of Egypt. All right, Egypt in your Bible is always a picture of the world. Uh, Tatian, 
Uh, we talked about Tatian. Tatian collected all the corrupt manuscripts that he could get his hands on. Uh, Clement refined humanism with Scripture. Uh, Clement was actually a great student of Tatian. And then you have Origen. He was a particularly bad dude, and uh, he developed what's called the Hexapla Bible. Uh, and uh, the Hexapla is a, a six-columned Bible, uh, and it's uh, six columns of the Old Testament. The first column is, uh, is the Hebrew Old Testament, and then the next five columns are Greek renditions of that. So uh, all that guy is doing is refining and developing what the guys before him were doing. Then you have Constantine's Ecumenical Bible in 312 A.D., and uh, Constantine was not— there, there, there was not a bone in his body that was religious. Constantine was a politician. That's what he was. And uh, he was trying to figure out how to pacify everyone in his Roman Empire and unite everyone to achieve, uh, to achieve greater and more, in his estimation, noble goals. So uh, he allegedly embraced Christianity uh, to uh, pacify the Christians, but he knew he knew there had to be a certain element of paganism involved with it. So it was an ecumenical effort, all right? And, uh, and then he commissioned Eusebius to come up with the Bible, and uh, only 50 copies were made. And uh, that was to be distributed to the bishops and churches around the kingdom. Then you had Jerome's Latin Vulgate as a result of that. Uh, now, now, it's not the same as the old Latin Vulgate. Uh, the Rhymes Douay version, which which is a Jesuit Bible uh, in in 1582, was a great result of that. All right, and then you have uh, Westcott and Hort. Uh, Westcott and Hort came up with a Greek New Testament in uh, in 1870, which was the basis for the first revision in 1881. Now, their text their text was based upon two Greek texts in the Alexandrian family called Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. Now, again, this is a review. This is stuff that we did uh, last week and the week prior, okay? Uh, Vaticanus was a Greek text that was found where? Do you remember where that was? Well, that's in the Pope's library, uh, and that was found in 1482. And Sinaiticus was found by a German scholar by the name of Tischendorf in a monastery on Mount Sinai in uh, 1847, I believe. So uh, he found it in a trash can. The monks didn't even want it. They threw it away, and he resurrected it and said, ooh, look what we found. All right, so those two manuscripts serve as the basis for Westcott and Hort's Greek New Testament. All right, now, when the revisers came along for the first revision— that work began in 1870, and it was concluded in 1881. And here's what they did. The manuscripts that they used, uh, as opposed to the manuscripts on the other side of the board, uh, those manuscripts differ in 5,788 places. All right, so you have one line of manuscripts that Martin Luther used, the King James translators used, that, that Tyndall used, that Wycliffe used, that, uh, that Coverdale used, you know, all of those guys that we talked about. Then you have the manuscripts that Westcott and Hort used, Jerome used, Constantine, Justin Martyr, the Alexandrian school used, 5,788 differences. But they made 36,191 changes. 
So they made over 30,000 changes that are not found in any manuscript anywhere. That's a lot of arbitrary changes, don't you say? Now, they made those changes not based on fact, but on fiction. They made those changes with the idea, you know, I just think it would sound better this way. And that's how the thing went. Now, from that time to this, there have been, I mean, who knows how many, well over 100 New Testaments have been published since the first revision in 1881. Now, some people say it's 150, you know, but honestly, I, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, most of them don't exist anymore. You know, they really don't hang around very long, to be honest with you. Uh, but, it's, you know, it's gotten progressively worse with, with each and every translation. It just gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and does not get any better. Um, you know, you can pick up whatever it is. You know, the, the Touchpoint Bible, uh, 36,000 changes in the first revision. There's probably three times, uh, there's probably three times that many now. Now, I want you to keep in mind those changes, okay? It's very important to understand this. Those changes are not based on any set of manuscripts that exist anywhere, good, bad, or indifferent, all right? They're just arbitrary changes that the translator said, well, we like that reading better. Well, how does that work if you believe that every word of God is pure? Isn't that what the book says? Every word of God is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. All right, so anyway... There you go. All right, so here's what we're going to do tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm not a King James guy because I'm a dinosaur, you know, a traditionalist, a curmudgeon. You know, I mean, I am, you know, I know that, but that's not why I'm a King James guy. And that's not it at all. I'm a King James guy based on hours of study, reading, and research over the last 20 years on this subject. And I told you last week, and, and, and let me repeat it, you know, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, that's just a Ruckman issue. You know, I counted in my library 15 different authors that I have that address the subject, all right? And, and, and Ruckman is only one of them. And there's probably at least that many more. There's probably another 10 or so that I'm familiar with that I don't even have, the, I don't have their books, but I know they're out there. So, you know, th this isn't information that was locked inside of a dark closet. It's out there if people want to avail themselves of it. You know, people ask me, you know, why don't these preachers today, you know, as if I'm supposed to know why they do or don't do what they do, you know? Why don't they know this stuff? Well, they don't know this stuff primarily because it's not taught in most Bible colleges and seminaries for the last 40 years. I mean, the devil's slick, isn't he? Do you know what he always attacks first? He always attacks first the educational institutions. That's what he always attacks first, because he knows that if he could pollute just one generation, it'll go on and on and on from there. All right, now, what we're going to do is here tonight is we're going to compare some verses, uh, you know, but for the sake of brevity, uh, what we're going to do is um, uh, we're going to work with, uh, well, you know, I want to show you some, I want to show you some passages and then compare them with, uh, you know, the King James and what's, what's probably one of the most popular uh, translations or versions, I should say, that's out there, and that's the NIV, all right? Now, I told you this last week, 
uh, also, and I'm going to repeat it. You know, people ask me all the time, do you mean to tell me that people can't get saved out of the NIV? No, I didn't say that at all. You mean to tell me that people can't get some good doctrine out of the NIV? No, I didn't tell you that at all, did I? Do you mean to tell me? No, I'm not telling you that at all either. What I'm telling you is, would you rather drive for pure power's sake? I'm not talking about gas mileage, but for pure power's sake, a red-hot V8 or, or, or a four-banger. I want the muscle car, man. All right? I want the muscle. Amen? I want to put the pedal to the metal, and I want to feel that thing lurch. You know, power, man, power. You know, there's power in the Word of God. You know, you can pack around and, and you, you, you can pack around an inadequate Bible and still have enough motor to get you down the road. But it's like it's like going down the road with a V8 that you pulled off two of the spark plug wires from. You know, it's not efficient. You know, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for maximum efficiency. Now, in the last 400 years of church history, there's only one Bible, historically, that's produced great revivals. Only one. It's the old 1611 King James Bible. Now, folks, I don't profess to be a scholar. I don't profess to be an expert on manuscript evidence at all. You know, I've been forced to study enough of it to be familiar with it. But my ministry, my ministry, as I've said before, is not to defend the book. My ministry is to proclaim it and declare it. Now, I believe that God calls other people to be apologists. And, uh, you know, those are some of the authors that I have in my library. And, and you know, they approach it from many different standpoints, too. Um, uh, if you want to talk about the Greek, well, I've got books that, that just address the Greek, the syntax of the Greek, the verbiage of the Greek, and, uh, you know, everything you want to know about the Greek. And I've got books in my library that talk about the Latin. I've got books in my library that, that just talk about the English. Um, and, and the condition of the English in 1611 and, 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 and why that was exactly the appropriate time to translate a Bible, because the condition of the language at that time as opposed to the condition of the languages today. You know, I've got books that address the history of, uh, of, of the thing and, and, and some of the personalities that we've talked about. You know, I've got books that, that address every tiny aspect about it, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's interesting uh, to a point, but to me, to me, I just want to preach it. I just want to preach it because I've seen what it does in people's lives. I've seen people get saved, you know. Now, as, I, as, I, as I've suggested, uh, for the sake of brevity, we're only going to compare one of the modern versions. And uh, again, I've chosen the NIV. And that's because it seems to be, you know, one of the most popular ones out there. So that's, that's the one I'm going to pick on, okay? Now, uh, I'm going to read a passage from my, uh, my old King James right here, and then uh, a passage from the NIV, all right? And we'll see if we can follow along. All right, so take your Bibles and uh, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 18. That's where we're going to begin tonight. Matthew chapter 18, and uh, we're going to look at uh, verse number 11. Matthew chapter 18 and uh, verse number 11. I just had a pop-up come up on my screen here, so let me move that out of the way. One second. All right, got a little bit of a problem going on here. Give me one second, my friends. 
All right, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. Now, this is a great verse, all right? This, this is an absolutely great verse. It's a familiar verse. Uh, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. All right, now let's look at the NIV. All right, Matthew chapter 18, verse 11 in the NIV is not in there. It's not there. It's been omitted. I guess someone doesn't want you to know that the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. All right, now look at chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse number 17. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. All right, now the NIV. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. All right, what's missing? Did you catch that? What's missing? God's missing. The NIV forgot to tell you that it's God that's good. All right, now let me let me let me tell you. Uh, you know the verses that that I'm primarily focusing on, not exclusively because I'm, I'm throwing some others in there also, but primarily I'm focusing on verses that have to do with the treatment of Jesus Christ. You know, people ask me, why do you use the King James Bible? Now, you know, the average person uh, uh, isn't willing to sit for an education on all the things that we've discussed over the last three weeks. You know, they're not going to listen to all of this stuff, and, and you know, they're, they're not going to take hours and hours of explanation about the Bible. So uh, I basically learned to consolidate my answer into just one sentence. Why do you use the King James Bible? Here's my one sentence. Because it's the most Jesus-friendly Bible out there. It's the most Jesus-friendly Bible out there, which we're about to see. Now, if you had your choice of Bibles and, and didn't know anything about manuscript evidence, didn't know anything about the history of the Bible, didn't know anything about anything, but someone said to you in a convincing way that this is the most Jesus-friendly Bible, that would be the one that I would want. That's it. That's it. All right? Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse 13. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. All right, same verse, same address in, uh, in the NIV. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Well, they forgot to tell you that it had to do with the, with the Son of Man coming. And that is pretty important, wouldn't you think? All right, do you know what the Son of Man's uh, uh, coming has to do with? That's the second advent, folks. That's the second advent. That's a whole other set of doctrines that we're not even going to get into tonight. But you see, all of these new Bibles, to one degree or another, are amillennial. And uh, by that, we mean quite simply that they, 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 they don't genuinely believe in the literal second advent of Jesus Christ and Him establishing a literal 1,000-year millennial kingdom. All right, and, uh, and, you know, here's an example of that. And uh, we'll just, you know, we'll just leave that out there, okay? All right, let's move on. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, 35. You know, folks, we want the most Jesus-friendly Bible, all right? 27, 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, 
and upon my vesture did they cast lots. All right, the NIV. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Oh, they forgot to tell you that this was all in fulfillment of the prophets. I mean, didn't the prophets over and over and over again, didn't the Psalms, didn't Isaiah, and didn't Zechariah prophesy that, you know, about this particular event right here? Do you know what, those, what, what the prophecies of the Old Testament do? It adds validity to the, to the event. In the NIV, that validity is just wiped out. All right, let's go over to Mark chapter 9. Mark and chapter 9. Now, here's one that doesn't have anything directly to do with Jesus, uh, but I thought you might, I, I thought, you know, maybe you should see it, okay? Uh, this is important. Again, it has nothing directly to do with, with Jesus Christ, but something you should see. Mark chapter 9, verse 44. Now, this is Jesus, and he's speaking of hell. And, you know, as typical of Jesus, he, he, he doesn't mince any words. He just says it like it is. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. All right, verse 46. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. All right, let's go over to the NIV. And the NIV says nothing. The verses aren't there. But it's in verse 48. Now, Jesus said it three times, and they minimized it by telling you only once. All right, Mark 15. Mark 15 and verse 28. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. All right, verse 28 in the NIV is not there. It's missing, omitted. So uh, Jesus in, 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 the, in the NIV wasn't numbered with the transgressors, but he was. And do you know why he was numbered with the transgressors? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 2. Let's go over to Luke chapter 2. All right, now I want you to listen carefully here. All right, Luke chapter 2 and verse 33. Your King James says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Let's look at the NIV. The NIV says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Was Joseph Jesus' father? No, he wasn't at all. At all. Interesting, right? Interesting. Chapter 4 and verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus, of course, here in, in this chapter is dealing with the devil on the Mount of Temptation. Uh, chapter 4, verse 4. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. All right, what does the NIV say? All right, NIV says in chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Nothing about the Word of God. You know, I, I would consider that to be a pretty important detail, you know, in its entirety, right? Wouldn't you? It's pretty important. All right, chapter 4 and verse 8. Chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, this is Jesus addressing Peter. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 
All right, let's go to the NIV. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All right, what's missing? Get thee behind me, Satan. So you know what's going on here? The translators are, are trying to help Peter save face. Jesus effectively called Peter, being dominated uh, at the very least by Satan on this particular occasion. Well, how can that be if Peter is the first pope? How can that be? See, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to help Peter out. That's what they're doing. All right, chapter 23. Let's go to chapter 23. Chapter 23 and verse 42. Now, here's Jesus. He's on the cross. And one of the thieves said this in your King James, chapter 23, verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. All right, let's see what the good old NIV has to say. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. All right, what's missing? Lord, right? Lord. All right, now when, when you recognize, and, and, and you know what, this is, a prof, this is a profession of salvation by this guy. When you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior, you acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's not just Jesus. You acknowledge that he's the only one that's qualified to save you. And you know what that is? That's acknowledging his Lordship. Folks, do words mean things? <laughs> you bet they do. Every little one of them. Every little one of them. All right, let's go to the book of John. John, now again, I'm dealing primarily with scriptures that deal with the deity and character of Jesus Christ. You know, we're not even getting to all the, the doctrinal discrepancies. I mean, and there are. You know, well, you, know you can imagine that with around 36,000 changes in, in the first revision, you know, how many would we find? I mean, you know, we, we can go on for a very long time doing this, but you know, we're not going to, so don't worry, don't panic. We're not going to. But we could. All right, John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, and the NIV. The word became flesh and, and, was, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, verse 18, in your King James. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. All right, the NIV. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. All right, so I'm going to make some comments after two more verses, all right? Uh, uh, 3.16. And you know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, the NIV. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All right, in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. All right, now the NIV. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not 
believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. All right, now, just think about this. What's missing from all of those verses? What's missing from all of those verses? Begotten. Begotten. It's missing in all four verses. Now, why do we need the word begotten? Well, if you're saved, you're a son of God. He came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As a saved, born-again believer, you're a son of God. So there are many sons. There are even fallen angels in Job chapter 1 and 2 that are called the sons of God. But there's only one begotten. Do you, know what, do you know what begotten speaks of? It speaks of the virgin birth. He was begotten of the Father. It speaks of, it speaks of uh, that, that very unique incarnation where God was manifest in the flesh. All right? So it's missing. Now, think about it. Why would you leave a very critical word like that out? Unless you're in some subtle kind of way trying to... to denigrate the deity of Jesus Christ. All right, chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 47. You know, sometimes the only way you can get the point across is by these comparisons, folks. All right, chapter 6 and verse 47 in your uh, King James. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. All right, your NIV says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. All right, folks, we need a direct object in that verse, don't we? On me. On me. That's what we need. And it's fallaciously missing. All right, chapter 16 and verse 16. You know, this is the way the thing works. You know, the devil is more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. He's slick, man. He's slick. He's not going to make too many changes all at once. Just everyone that comes out has a few more and a few more and a few more, and after a while, you can't even recognize it. All right, 1616. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. All right, the NIV. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. All right. Someone's telling you that Jesus, someone's not telling you that Jesus was going to the Father. And I, I honestly, I, I would consider that to be, you know, pretty critical information because once he gets to the Father, he assumes the role of mediator and intercessor for you. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Don't you find that kind of important? You know, we need to know those things. We need to know those things. All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Uh, we're going to take our, uh, our last break of the night here, uh, and then when we come back, we'll uh, start to pull all this thing together here. All right, folks, again, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. When the storm breaks 
The disciples were afraid, for the waves were high and the ship was tossed. They could not find their way. Then they awoke the Master, saying, Lord, please save us now. He rebuked the wind and the sea grew calm, and they all wondered how. God sees the storm from the other side. He knows the lessons learned, and just beyond the clouds he sees clear skies. He speaks peace to the raging storm when peace could not be found. He already sees the rainbow when we see only clouds. Like the man on the sea did, I have called on God in prayer. When it seemed to me that all hope was gone and I was in despair, then I remembered what the Lord said when he calmed that troubled sea. And I know once more how he sees the storm. Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic era remains largely obscured, as his book will make abundantly clear that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart 
of one of the bloodiest eras in human history. In Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars by Scipio Eruditus. Available exclusively at thefirmamentalpodcast.com.
Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello. All right, uh, take your Bible and head over to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts and chapter 2. Now, folks, this is um, uh, uh, one of those subjects that I just love to talk about. I love talking about the Word of God. I love to talk about uh, these comparisons between the books. But I'm going to tell you, I am having some technical problems tonight that um, really are just uh, driving me crazy here. So I apologize for the quality of tonight's broadcast. It's not the best. It's not where I like to be with it. And um, I know folks are trying to listen in on the uh, the live uh, button. Our live feed is not working at the moment, so uh, you're probably not able to uh, connect to that. Uh, I do apologize for that. Uh, my producer, Claude, and I are working on the uh, fix to that problem, and hopefully for the next show we'll be able to uh, to get that thing going for you. But uh, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for, sta- for, your, for your, your faithfulness. Thank you for praying, uh, and please continue to pray for us as we go through the show tonight. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Acts chapter 2, I said, right? Yeah, Acts chapter 2, and let's look at verse 30. Acts chapter 2 and verse 30. You know, also, I, I hope that you, you, you see just how important it is to have the right book. This is something that, uh, you know, it really is unbelievably important. And uh, you can get messed up. You can get really, really messed up. I mean, why would you want to use a book that denigrates the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why would you want that? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. All right, uh, let's look at uh, the NIV. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. All right, well, which one? Had a lot of descendants, right? Christ is missing. That's the one that's on the throne. All right. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And uh, let's go over to verse 37. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. Now, this isn't dealing directly with Jesus Christ, but but you certainly need to see this. This, this is really important. All right. Acts, uh, Acts 8, 37. Now, Philip here is preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch, all right? Now, an Ethiopian here, he wants to profess Christ and get saved. So the eunuch says in verse 36, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All right, let's take a look at uh, the NIV. All right, verse 36 in the NIV. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? All right, verse 37. Um, verse 37. It's omitted. There is no verse 37 in the NIV. All right, now here's the deal. This makes it abundantly clear that the prerequisite for scriptural baptism is salvation. If thou believest with all thine heart, 
thou mayest. Amen? I mean, a legitimate baptism is the baptism of someone that's been saved and knows the Lord. But if you're a believer in infant baptism, you wouldn't want that verse, would you? You wouldn't want that verse. All right? 1 Corinthians and 16. 1 Corinthians and 16. Now, there's a bunch of them in Romans that are a little bit more subtle. But what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to show you the real obvious things here, okay? So uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. All right, so what does maranatha mean? The Lord's coming, coming soon, you know, that kind of thing. All right, let's see what the NIV says. If anyone does not love the Lord... Let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. All right? One little problem. How about where's Jesus Christ? Look at the verse. Look at the verse in the King James. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, which is cursed, maranatha, meaning coming soon, come soon. All right? Again, the NIV. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. All right? Jesus Christ is central to the whole thing, but the NIV takes him out. All right? How about Colossians in chapter 1? Colossians in chapter 1. Uh, Colossians 1 and verse 14. Okay? Speaking of the Lord in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. All right, the NIV says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm not going to run them all out to you, but the NIV eliminates the blood 15 times. Okay, 15 times. Now, let me say this, you know, repeating what I've said before. But the Bibles that have been produced from the Alexandrian family represent 5% of all available discovered manuscripts. 5%. The other side represents 95% of all available manuscripts. So, in other words, 95% of everything that's ever been discovered that's called a Bible manuscript agrees with your King James Bible. So, all of the other ones have been built on 5% of everything. I mean, mathematically, wouldn't you kind of scratch your head about that and say, you know, well, this doesn't quite make sense, does it? Through his blood, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. There's a fountain filled with what? Blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. You should be happy I didn't sing for you, okay? <laughs> Although I love that song. Be happy I didn't sing. All right, let's go to, uh, now, this one's actually really powerful, all right? James. Let's go to James. And uh, this doesn't directly deal with Jesus Christ, but it, it does indirectly, all right? James chapter 5 and verse 16. James chapter 5, 16. All right, here we go. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
All right, let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between faults and sins? Now, every one of the new translations will say that. Confess your sins to each other. You know what that does? That's just a reinforcement of Roman Catholic confession theology. The Bible never indicates that I'm supposed to confess my sins to anyone except Jesus Christ. Period. End of story. I have no obligation to confess my sins to anyone. Well, then the Bible says, and, and James, interestingly, is a, transla- is a, is a tribulation book, uh, but be that as it may, it says, confess your faults. Confess your faults. Now, that's an interesting word, right? And we use that word in connection with what? With earthquakes, don't we? You know, out in California, they say there's a huge earthquake fault, and, and you know, a lot of other places around the country have faults. Do you know what a fault is? A fault, that's an area that a general that has a general propensity to do something that's described, all right? That doesn't mean that it, it has happened or is going to happen, but they anticipate that it will happen, all right? That's a fault. Amen? Now, do you have any faults? Is a fault a sin? No, it's not. You can see that's a real problem. And indirectly, I, I said it affects the deity of Christ, because if I'm confessing my sins to another man, then I'm not confessing them to the one and the only one, for that matter, who has the capability of forgiving them. So it is a direct attack, subtle as it may be, on the deity and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's go over to 1 John. 1 John in chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And uh, verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, which ye, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. All right, let's see what the NIV says. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. All right, now we've got a problem here. We've got a problem. Did you catch it? The problem is, is come in the flesh. You see, if you had that verse to operate on exclusively, you can say that Jesus Christ came in the Spirit, and he is here in the Spirit. But he came in the flesh, did he not? All right, so that has to do with the incarnation of Jesus Christ under attack. All right, let's look at chapter 4 and verse 9. Chapter 4 and verse 9. Your King, your King James Bible says, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. All right, what does the NIV say? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. All right, somebody's got a problem with begotten which is a direct connotation, again, of the virgin birth and incarnation of Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. All right, that's your King James. Now, what does your NIV say? We love because he first loved us. 
we love. Well, folks, you can love anything. Isn't that right? You can love your dog. Look, I have two. I have my two French Bulldogs. I have, you know, you know them, Charlie, Bean. I love them. But that has nothing to do with the verse, does it? No. We love him because he first loved us. That's that simple, simple little pronoun is pretty important. In, in fact, it's critical. We love him because he first loved us. All right, let's look at chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verse 7. Uh, actually, uh, chapter 5, 7 and 8. All right? And these verses uh, that we're going to look at right now are real stumbling blocks of the Jehovah's Witnesses. All right? So uh, you would expect that the newer Bibles are going to accommodate the JWs if they can. All right? So let's see how they do it. Verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, wouldn't you call that a pretty accurate description of the Trinity, the Godhead? And the Word would be representative of who? Jesus Christ. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh, John chapter 1. All right, now verse 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the, and the water, all right, so that's the body of Jesus Christ, and the blood, that's the deity of Jesus Christ. Didn't he get his blood from his Father? And these three agree in one. Okay, now the NIV. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. All right, so they forgot to tell you that the Father and the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. All right? The JWs love that. They love that because that's compatible with their theology. All right? Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We just have a couple more to go. Revelation chapter 1. I am Alpha uh, in verse 8. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. All right? Well, you know, some people can't read or understand Greek. Okay? Alpha and Omega are Greek, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So just to make sure that you get it, God tells you in the verse what Alpha and Omega means. It means the beginning and the ending. That's what it means. But they forget to tell you that. All right, verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. All right, the NIV. Uh, the NIV, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay? So, once again, we're leaving out Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Folks, that's pretty important, because that speaks to the eternal quality of Jesus Christ. 
All right, let's go back into the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, my, one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 12, verse 6. Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. Now, isn't that what we've been talking about? Right? The words of the Lord are pure words. Words, plural, all of them, every single one of them. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Not coincidentally, your King James Bible is the seventh English translation. Thou shalt keep them. What's God going to keep? The words. The words. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. All right, let's see what the NIV says. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and will protect us forever from such people forever. Someone doesn't want you to know that God promised to keep his words. The antecedent is, is totally neglected, totally neglected in verse 7. The subject is the words, right? That's the subject. But someone's telling you that God's going to keep you. No, God's going to keep his words. You know, folks, I've said this before, you know, my ministry is, is, is not, of an, not one of an apologist, okay? I do it. Uh, you know, what I've done in, 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 in very simple and short form, you know, just, just so you can have enough information so that you can have confidence in the Bible that you have. That's what I want. I want you to have confidence in your Bible. And if you have confidence in that Bible and trust that Bible, that old King James authorized 1611 Bible, and you have faith in the Bible, when you hit the judgment seat of Christ, the only thing the Lord can accuse you of concerning, of concerning your faith in that Bible is that you had too much faith. Do, do, do you think the Lord's going to say that? Do you think he's going to say that? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. You know, but my deal is just preaching it and seeing people get saved. You know, this is just stuff that I have to go through. But when I hear people responding to the power of the Word of God, folks, that's where the real action is, man. That's where it's at. That is absolutely 100% where it's at. Father, thank you for the book. Thank you for the book that we can trust. I don't doubt a word in it. I trust it. I believe it. It gives me confidence when I preach it. I'm not preaching falsehood. I'm not preaching heresy. I'm not preaching bad doctrine. I'm just preaching the truth. Our hearts crave for the truth. Thank you that you have given us the truth. In the wonderful name of our Savior who provided it for us. Amen. Well, all right, folks, that will just about do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Head on over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. When you get over there, click on that contact section and send us over any comments or questions that you might have. Also, if you would, look for that Support This Podcast tab, and if you could help us out with a monthly recurring contribution or a one-time, we would appreciate it. Well, folks, until next time, win the lost, no matter the cost. God bless you. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.